Welcome to the Lamper Report Live. On today's broadcast, yet another benefit comes to Walmart Plus members. The truth about organics. Want a bug for breakfast? What if your supermarket offered you a loan? The changing ingredients of major brands is happening. And in our bullseye, how the metaverse is going to change fine dining. Let's get started. So, Sally, tell me, uh, Walmart Plus is trying really hard. Over the past few weeks, we've seen lots of improvements. Yes, we have. They're, they just keep adding more benefits to the Walmart Plus membership, which I think is, you know, they're they're really reaching out and trying to get more people to sign up. And and then this latest move, which I'm so curious to hear what you think about, this is an item-specific rewards prog program. It's called Walmart Rewards. And if you are a member of Walmart Plus and you buy one of these items, it will tell you how many points it's worth and you can add that to your rewards. Yeah, it's it's very similar um, to a program. There's a small supermarket, a single supermarket operator here in Santa Monica called Bob's Market. And what they just instituted, I want to say about a month ago, is something similar. Um, what you do is you punch in your cell phone number and it accumulates points. And then you can exchange those points for um, product. So, for example, um, when I went shopping this weekend, it, it would allow me to um, redeem X amount of points for a free uh, Newman's own lemonade kind of thing. So it's interesting. Uh, um, what I what I wonder about, though, with this Walmart Plus program, in order to redeem the rewards when you're in store, you have to scan a QR code that's generated through the Walmart Pay app at checkout and then tap use Walmart rewards. I'm just wondering if if it's going to be too cumbersome. Yes. I agree. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I was wondering, thinking about, okay, who is, is everyone tech savvy enough to take advantage of that in the store? Yeah. And, and the other thing, um, Inmore Intelligence um, released a survey last week and they found that in 2020, shoppers used electronic coupons more often than once in freestanding inserts. First time it ever happened. However, the footnote to that is really simple because there's less FSIs now since the pandemic that are out there because they take three months to, to calculate. And basically the brands don't know what's going to be, you know, on the shelves in three months. So yeah, I want to say yes. I mean, I think that more people are using electronic coupons, but I'm not sure that it's fair to compare it to FSIs. Washington Post um, printed, reprinted a story out of Consumer Reports um, about four common questions to ask about organic foods. A survey of over 2,200 people, what did they find? Well, it's good to revisit this topic, I believe, because I, I think there is some confusion out there. But they found that 42% said they thought organic food was more nutritious, and 66% thought it was better at limiting their exposure to pesticides or fertilizers. 
Yeah, and there's always been, you know, so much confusion. We've talked about it for years about organics. Organics are not healthier. Uh, most people do think that they are healthier. Uh, certainly, when it comes to pesticides, um, there's a benefit there. But um, it, it's a great read in Consumer Reports or in the Washington Post, really to understand what your customers are thinking about organics and what's true and what's not. There's a new way of raising eggs in the UK um, that hopefully is going to get them carbon neutral. Um, what they're doing in the UK, um, which is from Morrison's supermarket, is they are feeding its hens insects. That's another thing we, we see on eggs. I was thinking about how you were recently in the news showing people how to shop and save money. And you were talking a lot about the differences in eggs. And I reading the story, I thought, oh, OK, so are we going to have this label on the cartons now? But it is great to see a retailer like this creating um, a much more sustainable system. Um, they are a retailer that's got their own poultry farm. So, you know, we have seen a lot of supermarkets and brands moving moving in that direction direction. And um, we'll see if it can really make a difference in um, in what shoppers think about buying those types of products and also how it lowers their emissions. Would you buy a carton of eggs that said, you know, fed by insects? Uh, I, I think I would if I understood that it was better, you know, that it was a system that was better for the environment. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't I don't think I really have ever thought about what chickens eat. <laughs> Got it. So um, it, it would be better protein. There's no no question. Uh, insects have lots of protein. Also from across the pond, uh, there's a supermarket in England called Iceland Foods. And what they're doing to help um, their shoppers, um, they're offering them, you know, short term loans um, so that they can pay for their food. What do you think about that? Well, uh, I like it. You know, loans are a really, really hot topic right now here in the United States. Um, but um, this is different than a student loan. These are these are small loans that come to about thirty to one hundred and twenty dollars American dollars, and they're these preloaded cards. People pay them back um, once a week. Um, they're really just trying to help people that are struggling with inflation and buying food. And I think it's definitely something to try. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a real interesting idea. You know, it's not something new uh, for probably 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, those corner bodegas, um, especially in the northeast part of the country, would have like a little notebook. And, you know, uh, Phil would go in, buy the groceries. I didn't have any money uh, this week. I didn't get my SNAP benefits or, or get paid yet. Um, so that right, right, Phil, you know, $42. And then when I get paid, I would go in, they'd cross it out. Uh, so it's been around for a long time. And especially in food deserts, it really helps a lot of people uh, being able to, you know, eat rather than just starve and, and go hungry. So I agree with you. I think it's a really cool idea. And I would love to see, you know, some stores here, especially again in the food deserts, being able to do this. Um, what we've seen and we've talked about and uh, we've talked 
with um, with a good friend of ours, Trace Gaines, about this is because of the pandemic, because of climate change, because of a lot of shortages, a lot of manufacturers, you know, have had to switch ingredients. In fact, what Trace Gaines says is 90% of manufacturers say higher ingredient prices have shaped the way that they're doing business today. And that means modifying or creating new formulas. The report that just came out, it's the 2022 State of Supply Distribution Report. Uh, They surveyed more than 300 food and beverage manufacturers. You know, it's a must read. You've really got to understand this. And what Trace Gaines does, which is so cool, um, you know, for for their members, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, they've got a dashboard. So let's say, you know, you can't get cardamom. Um, what they do is they can source uh, cardamom or alternatives of cardamom in different parts of the world so that you can, you know, continue to make your product. Um, what what impact does this have, Sally, when we look at the changing ingredients on and changing recipes for a lot of products? Is this going to freak out consumers? Well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in transparency, and I think that this is something that brands have to communicate. Um, however, um, it also, you know, it, I think it's smart for brands to find ways to um, use alternative ingredients. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's a time to also look for healthier ingredients that they could use. You know, I know there's a money saving issue, and usually the less healthy ones are the cheaper ingredients. But you know, what this pandemic time and these supply chain issues have you know have afforded uh, companies right now is to take a look at how they can improve their system and where they can save money. It's kind of forced a lot of companies into that, I think. And and to your first point, you know, the key is transparency. For those companies that are just changing their formula, changing ingredients, not calling it out, not telling, you know, their shoppers why, I think, frankly, you know, they're going to have issues. They're going to have problems and, and how to deal with it. So, you know, yes, you've got to change your ingredients, um, and retailers have a responsibility for this as well. When you have, you know, these companies changing ingredients, make sure that you're updating all the information on your website. Uh, because a lot of the information that we hear from retailers constantly with e-commerce is that, you know, 50% of the information that's on the website about a product, whether it's nutritional information whether it's ingredients are incorrect. And again, when you're changing ingredients, that most likely is going to change nutritionals as well. So transparency, transparency, transparency. Um, Thanks, Sally. The CMA and SEMA uh, hosted a webinar with Blue Yonder featuring Campbell's where they discuss Campbell's journey to SaaS and learn how data and data science enabled Campbell's to get closer to customer demand and save 20% of the time spent on planogram generation. Members of CMA can access the full replay of the webinar in the resource library. Non-members can visit catman.global to contact the association about membership. Take a listen of what they said. 
So if we want to look a little bit further on where we are today, so now we have the space planning in the cloud and we use Planogram Generator to help, uh, help us through this process. Um, we use sales, in-stocks, uh, Omnidata, all loaded into the planograms all at once. We have this process and we put it in and it's loaded into all the different planograms we need and we start building from there. Uh, mass assortment changes, if we know a supplier is getting out of an item or if the buyer wants to change something, we can make these changes in seconds and be ready to go and just kind of pick back up. And so it's, it's made us much more flexible to kind of adapt to what's going on with, uh, with you know, the different factors we talked about. Um, we still make unique decisions at store level so that hasn't gone away because, you know, we want to make sure that everything looks exactly right. And there's some logic that, uh, you know, we have to do manually. But what, what this done is built that foundation for every reset after that because we have all this logic already built. And so we get better and better and better each time around. So if we look about, if we look from 2019 to the most recent reset, we've saved days um, of time on different on, on these different factors, so like 30%, like 15 days. That's like a real number of, of time spent by my team that don't have to do this anymore. And we cut the actual draw time by 20%. So this is like, these are nights and weekends that people don't have to work longer. Um, don't have to work any longer than than what the traditional time is, and we can focus on the actual add value to what these modulars say um, and, and what the buyer is doing, what the shopper is doing. And overall, we have a better better representation of what the true shoppers' preferences are because we're leveraging all this data into our our environment and providing um, actionable uh, planograms to the shopper. On today's bullseye, a new study from Momentum Worldwide finds that most people believe that the metaverse feels more inclusive than does real life. According to the multi-country study, 80% of respondents indicated that they felt that way. The study surveyed 4,500 people in the U.S., U.K., Canada, Mexico, Japan, Spain, the Middle East, and North Africa. The report also found that consumers look to the metaverse to fill three core aspects of life, inspiration, individuality, and inclusion. 85% of those polled said that one appealing aspect of the metaverse is that they can change their appearance as they see fit. So I can be taller, I can be thinner, I could be better looking. So just imagine how this meta experience is about to change our restaurant dining experiences. Raphael Tonin writes in FineDiningLovers.com that we will step into a restaurant and before you pass the foyer to reach the table, a camera scans your face and your body and transmits all your ethnographic data to a database. The maitre d' welcomes you. And before you start the meal, he asks you to fill in a sensory form with 30 questions that will generate the dishes you're going to eat that night. There is no menu. The algorithms and the sensors in the camera will tell the chef in the kitchen what you feel like eating that night. Before the first dish, the maitre d' brings virtual reality glasses that allow you to observe artworks displayed on the walls that you weren't allowed to see before. They're NFTs from prominent digital artists that only exist virtually. When you look across the table, your dining partner, who, by the way, physically stayed at home in Hong Kong, smiles at you, drinking that same cocktail that you now have in your hand. 
You two chat for a few minutes until the waiter announces the first course has arrived. You can finally start eating. I thought the most enriching part of dining out with with someone else in person and having a good conversation, good wine, good food, and being able to see their actual real smile. I guess fine dining in the metaverse is not for me. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, go to supermarketguru.com, check out our archives, check out our news stories that are published every single day. And be sure to comment on this video and any other videos, and we want to know what's on your mind.